ever dream of pulling off stunts like the ones they do in a big Hollywood movie? Want to know how to break into the film industry without a traditional degree and become a stunt actor? Or maybe you're just about what life is like as a stunt performer. If any of these speak to you, this episode is for you. Welcome back to the No Degree Podcast. Here, we share stories of unconventional paths to success that don't necessarily require a degree. Our guest today, Brett Solomano, is someone who has worn many hats. He's not only a professional stunt performer, but also runs his own truck business and coaches people on life skills. Coming from a non-traditional background with no degree. Interested in knowing the reality of performing during stunts in films? Keen to understand how he built his own trucking business? Eager to learn about his life coaching insights or perhaps how he successfully combined these diverse paths? Then sit back and get ready for some amazing stories from Brett, where he tells you about how he found incredible success in these different paths. He's going to share how he leverages skills for opportunity. He's here to inspire, guide, and show you that there's more than one way to achieve your dreams. Let's dive into this exciting journey right here, right now on the No Degree Podcast. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today I have Brett. Brett, what do you do? What do I do? I have a few things going on. Um, there's a bit of work in the film industry I do. It's been a bit quiet the past 12 months with the Screen Actors Guild strike. But I'm a stunt performer. I've done a little bit of acting as well. And I also have a truck business. That is a fun way to make money. It's a lot of systems that I love. and I love truck driving. The third sort of pillar of what I do is public speaking and coaching. You know, there's a sort of a trifecta there of, uh, you know, being an inspiration, building systems, and uh, enjoying myself uh, while teaching and learning. So that's, that's if that's a way to tighten those three together, because that might have been your next question, like why those no, three? No, I, I think cool. I won't ask that right away. But that's a very interesting combo. So let's kind of talk about if you could create a blueprint for your success to someone without a college degree, what would it look like? What should they do? What shouldn't they do? The tough part about having no college degree, being more entrepreneurial, following your own path, it's like that Robert Frost poem. It's taking the path less traveled. And when everyone's going that way, you're going this way. And instead of looking to a university to tell you a degree, uh, tell you what degree you need, or you know, going on LinkedIn or Indeed to look at jobs, you're really paying attention to this. And that's the that's the sweet spot. You know, what does it feel like to be me? What do I want to create? What do I want to do? Rather than just say, oh, I'll just get a job. You know, I'm going to go out and create a job for myself. No, oh, I love that. Like, you really have to look at what skills you have and put yourself out there. What are the salary ranges for the different professions that you do? So, because I know stunt performing is one thing, truck driving is another thing, and then the coaching is another aspect. Yeah, definitely. Um, the beautiful, the best and worst thing about a lot of those is that they're very scalable. Some of the best stunt performers make, you know, low to mid six figures a year. Um, but, you know, very, very few SAG AFTRA performers, actors and stunt performers, actually make more than twenty to $50,000 a year. So it's more of a fun part-time job for a lot of us. And we have different jobs going on um, between the times. Trucking business, you know, if you can systemize 
one truck, if you can keep it repaired, keep it running, you can be making thousands of dollars a week and then scale it. You know, you buy a second truck, you get different managers, different driver managers, operations managers, and you scale it from there. That's, you know, the sky's the limit. There's hundreds of millions of dollars of trucking companies out there in the world, billions of dollars of transport companies. So you can scale that as much as you want, you know, and then you start getting into your, uh, you know, becoming a CEO and things like that when you start going up the pay rates with those. But if you're creating it, you get to put yourself in whatever position. So again, it's really, really scalable. Coaching, public speaking, again, not to be vague, but it depends. Yeah. And there's a lot of different uh, public speakers out there who are making a few dollars at their local community event, helping uh, the local community by providing a service, providing advice, being inspiring or whatever. And then there's the multi-million dollar speakers like Tony Robbins. Uh, I know some politicians and actors and athletes are making low to high five-figure amounts for just one talk. Mm -hmm. And some people are even making low six figures to get up on a stage in, a, in front of a large audience because they're going to pull the crowd, of yeah. course. I'm nowhere near that, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still getting started and getting my feet wet. And so I, I have a place, but it's, uh, you know, it's not at the six-figure amount for, for one yeah. talk. And uh, for public speaking, a lot of times you'll start at the 500 to 1500. Once you get good with that, then it's like 1500 to 3000. And then once you really start making a name for yourself, really start networking and they see what you're known for, then you'll get to three to 5k plus. And a lot of people think like, oh, you're just getting paid for that one talk. You're actually getting paid kind of for the day because when you have a talk, you can't like just put a talk in the middle of your day. You have to, good speakers will usually come the night before. They'll make sure their voice is good. They'll have their rituals. They'll a lot of preparation to make sure the talk goes well. So a lot of times don't think of it. You're getting paid for that one hour. You're getting paid for the preparation. You're getting paid for all the things around it. Absolutely. You, with, with those kind of jobs, right, there's there's more than just, oh, he showed up for a, an hour and made five grand, you know, oh, five grand an hour, that's really good. Yeah, but it's taken years to get to that level. And uh, there's so many skills that have gone into it, so many different assets that have gone into it, you know. You might have a, a, an assistant there on the day to sell books or to take names on the back end for, for your coaching or whatever. Like you said, you're showing up the day before to meet with people, network with people. You don't want to be catching a flight and showing up at your Uber the, the last minute before the talk starts in case something goes wrong. So you've got to budget a couple of days to travel across the country potentially. Yeah, there's a lot of elements that go into it. And just like every other freelancer or uh, not just a freelancer, but every other specialist contractor, there's the joke about the the ship and uh, the ship broke down one day and this this big ship, the world's biggest ship, right? And a guy came along and said, oh, I can fix that for you. It's going to cost you a hundred grand. And he said, okay, hundred grand. Hey, this is a multi-million dollar ship. We need you to keep it going. Whatever it takes. Cool. hundred grand. No worries. So the guy walks along, knocks on the side in a couple of places. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. Takes his big mallet, whacks it once on the side and the propeller starts turning again. He said, I'm not giving you a hundred grand for that. All you did was hit the, uh, hit the thing with a $5 hammer. That's dumb. I'm not going to do that. And he said, well, you know, the hammer cost me $5, but knowing exactly where to hit, I mean, that's a lifetime of experience right there. And I think a good public speaker really falls into that category. Yeah, that's a great analogy because a lot of time people think it's like, oh, I'm paying you so much, but now they're losing out on even more because the ship's not running. Every day the ship's not running, right. they can't do business and all that. So you, when you're thinking about how much you're worth, you really have to think about the impact that you have on people. So now let's take it back. Would you want to be in high school? And how is high school like for you? High school for me, I mean, speaking more broadly, I grew up in a very small country town in uh, country New South Wales, um, several hours from Melbourne and Sydney in, in Australia. And 
I always felt like I was just understimulated, you know, and I was going out there making films uh, in my spare time. I was watching a lot of films because not much else to do. And back in the 2000s, there's the DVDs, right, with the behind-the-scenes featurettes, the director's commentary. So I'm soaking all those up. And I went through a lot of different jobs in my mind as a child, but as I got to my teenage years, I started to get more into computers and then into um, the filmmaking. For the stories that can be told through computers, I was very interested in computer animation like Toy Story and you know The Matrix and Lord of the Rings were really big, big back then at the advent of CGI. So I was looking for different ways to tell stories. I was very inspired as a child to, to tell stories. My mother was a librarian. And that just resonated with me. You know, I think we can, we've, we've been communicating for thousands of years through stories and movies are now one of the more modern forms of that. So that was very exciting for me. And I did work experience with a motion picture armorer when I was 16, maybe 15 actually. Did, did work experience with him a couple of times. Met a stunt person, stunt woman, and she told me this story of the most recent job she'd had where she rode a bike down a hill, jumped off a cliff, and she was on fire and she did a backflip and then she landed in the water and the fire went out. And I was like, wow, you got, wait, you got paid to do that? So I've never done that stunt as a stuntman, but I've done plenty of other cool stunts and that just excited me and inspired me to be the modern day Harry Houdini where I'm telling a story on uh, living the life on an living my life on an edge, you know. Wow. It was just always super cool to me. That's cool. So, like, how does someone be a stunt performer? Like, what do you have to do? Like, what kind of training? Like, I am part of a gym, and part of his classes is stunt performance, and a lot of people don't realize that it's a lot. You have to take care of yourself. You have to make sure you don't get injured and all that. And it's work. Are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out, and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. So when it comes to stunt performing, you know, when you're looking around on Indeed or LinkedIn for jobs, nobody's ever seen a job posting for a stunt performer. It's a very niche industry, you know, and like many other performing or athlete jobs, it's not even a job. It's it's a career. It's a lifestyle. It's a community that you're getting into. And, you know, the joke is that you kind of either have to fall into it or you have to know someone and you have to get in, get in with them and um, they'll sort of take you under your wing. Or you have to be willing to hustle really hard as well, you know, because there are plenty, plenty of people wanting to do it for the uh, lifestyle, for the significance of being on television, for the money that it can provide. But nobody's going to hold the door open while you – you know, take a moment to figure out if it's what you want to do or not. You you get shown and you have to step up and show up, you know. And it is very physical. It's very mentally challenging. You're on the payroll on a film set and that's going to be whatever it's going to be. Maybe you're out in the country, maybe you're in the city. You're traveling a lot. Um, you have day shoots, you have night shoots. You're doing something different every day. And depending on who you are, that can either be a beautiful creation because it is something different every day or that schedule can be a bit nuts and it can uh, – 
you know, can be stressful on the body and the, and the family life as well. So it is a lot of hustle to get in for sure. How do you move up as a stunt performer? How do you get better? How do you get paid more? How do you get more gigs? It's kind of like any other athletic job, you know, any other performing job. You get on with a crew, you get on with a, a stunt team or you get on with a stunt coordinator. And if they like what you do, you get the next job. And if you, they like what you do on that job, you get the next job and the next job. And there's a saying that you're only as good as your last job. Same with pretty much any other job, right? You've got these clients that you have, whatever it might be, and you're either getting better or you're getting worse. The clients are either getting more value or less value every day. And it's up to you to keep showing up and servicing your clients. My client is the, you know, the story. It's the director. And most of all, it's the stunt coordinator because they're going to hire me the next time. So you've got to have good people skills because you're working very closely with people um, that you might have only met an hour or two before for the first time. So it's a lot of social skills, getting along. You're in often high-risk, fast-paced environments. So communication is very important, being observant. And there's a lot of micro skills in that beyond just the performing, but playing the game as a team is, is very important for sure. And, and people will, will notice whether you can do that or not. That's good to know because it's like it's always hard when you go in a unique industry and there isn't much info. So what are the realistic, like how much do you get paid per like stunt or event? Is it like most things are a few days? How does that work? It does depend when you're looking at the longer movies, you know, you might be on for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, you know, TV shows, they often have slightly smaller budgets. They're mapped out a lot more over the, uh, the season. So you're spending time, they'll be mapping it out ahead of time. So it'll look like, um, you know, next week they know the shoot's coming up on such and such a day. They'll book you a week or two out and you might just have a, a day, a couple of days here and there to double for your actor or to play the character that you're playing to do the stunt and that'll be it and you'll jump to the next thing. Big feature films will have bigger budgets, they'll have bigger stunts, they're trying to create more of a spectacle and so there's more money involved in that. As stunt performers, we get paid uh, by the day or by the week if we work. Um, on longer productions, of course. And, you know, then there's the what's called a stunt adjustment or a stunt bump, and you get an extra chunk of money based on the skill set and the risk you're taking and how physically demanding it was on your body. So if you're just doing a small fight scene, might be a third of your paycheck again, but you start doing bigger stunts, it could be double your paycheck in a day or even more, you know. And then with, with SAG-AFTRA, the good thing about being in a union and uh, being under certain productions is that you're going to get residuals or your royalties to um, pay you again and again once the movie comes out. So if the movie does well, that residual pool gets spread amongst the performers and we get little chunks of money. You know, sometimes it's like a few cents or a few dollars and sometimes it's hundreds of dollars and thousands of dollars again over over the lifetime of that production. So it really depends on how well the, the movie or the TV show does. Okay, yeah. no, that's good to know. So like what would be a normal day rate? Like $100, $200, $300 for like stunts? Non-union rates will be in the hundreds of dollars and the sag after a rate right now, which you can just look up online, as a stunt performer, it's about $1,000 a day. Weekly is about uh, 3500-ish, something like okay. that. And then there's other other things that affect that, but that's kind of the two two main numbers that you might look at but there's so many different variables depending on the size of the production yeah. you got your student film rates as well which are a lot, a lot lower because it's all governed by the union right and again you can look this up on the sag after website there's a uh, low budget ultra low budget and different tiers but those numbers that i mentioned they're um the more main rates of the uh the main level 
SAG after production. And one thing to consider is you can't do it for 52 weeks out of the year, right? You need rest on your body. So how does that rest period look like for you? If I had enough opportunities to work 52 weeks out of the year, I'd be very happy to be turning down work. Not many people do, as I say, just because of the diversity of talent and and looks that are required on a, a film set, you know. For people who are working full-time, they've got their stunt teams and they're moving around from movie to movie. And you take whatever you can get between the times. You know, we are paid well because we put a lot of money into training and put a lot of money into rest and recuperation, you know. A lot of stunt performers have uh, chiropractors or physiotherapists that they recommend and they come back and they get a little adjustment when they get home. They plug themselves into that routine. You know, you do whatever you can. If you're staying at a hotel, there'll be a perhaps a little gym in the hotel and you might go do some weights just to keep that that muscle tone because you're using your muscles a lot, not just for strength, but, um, you know, if you're doing a fall, the body's taking a bump. And so your muscles are uh, keeping your skeleton together and in shape. So you need a lot of strength to uh, keep that structure and keep physically mobile while you're being thrown around in a in a car or uh, down a hill or something like that when you do a fall. Yeah. Now, how did the trucking come about? That's an interesting one. Um, so for me, I started as a stunt performer in Australia. And in Australia, usually you have to be pretty generalized. In America, in the US, there's a lot more specialty stunt performers. There's just enough work to go around. The expectations are higher on the skills and the productions are shopping around for the best people. So they're a bit more specialized. In Australia, I really wanted to, when I started, I had to be more generalized, but I really wanted to get more into driving. And my mentor said to me that um, the best way to get good at something is to get paid to practice. Okay. So instead of, you know, and the, the stunt performers that are doing physical stunts like gymnastics, fighting, et cetera, parkour, free running, you know, they can do it for, 10, 20 bucks, 30 bucks in the gym. And they can have a session a few days a week to train and it doesn't cost them very much. But vehicles, especially when you're sliding them sideways, they get very expensive. You're chewing through tires, you're blowing clutches, you know, replacing brake pads, all that kind of stuff. And so it's very expensive. And in my late teens, early 20s, when I started, just like everybody else in their late teens, early 20s, I didn't have much money. So my mentor said, you know, get paid to practice, get your truck license, get your bus license, start driving everything you can. And, you know, I've driven tens of thousands of hours in all sorts of trucks. I've driven across Australia, the US, uh, double trailers, double-decker buses. I've also been a CDL instructor. I took my skills as far as getting a Guinness World Record for the longest distance reversing a tractor trailer. Oh, wow. 53-foot trailer, which was 55 and a third miles in four hours. Wow, so you drove 55 miles. In four hours. So if you think about the average speed of that, that's 14 and a bit miles an hour in reverse on average for four hours. So That is discipline and focus. Yeah. And so just to give you a perspective, normal reversing speeds of any vehicle are around three to maybe five miles an hour. So I'm doing three to five times that number. And I'd even got up to 20 to 25 miles an hour top speed on the day and in rehearsals. But I'm keeping that consistent. So I just love the mental game that driving is, you know, doing parkour and gymnastics. That's that's fun for me. I used to do uh, gymnastics instruction to kids, and that was one of my favorite jobs as well. Rock climbing instruction, boxing, different things, teaching kids and some adults. And that's super fun to be physical and have a reason to keep in shape and get paid for it. But I love the mental game of driving, you know, and that was just one of my favorite challenges to do, see how long my uh, mind could stay focused for. It was a beautiful meditation. So 
back to your question, where's the truck driving come in? You know, I developed all these skills and I thought, well, let me put some money into buying my own truck or two. So right now I've got four trucks and we run containers around Atlanta to the ports and to the rail yards. And that's, uh, sometimes that's a full-time thing. So thankfully uh, the film industry has been pretty quiet the past six months, but that's where I plug a lot of my time into. Driving for me is very easy money. Uh, it's not the most money compared to stunts or coaching and public speaking, but it's a nice way to get paid for me to hang out with myself for the day and listen to some good podcasts like No Degree and uh, and that sort yeah, of thing. Now, so that's where it all fits so in. So let's just talk about like who makes a good truck driver because people think like, hey, you just go and you drive, but driving is not easy and it's not something you could do while tired and it's something that you have to understand and respect because there's a level of focus that also like for extra long trips, sometimes you're sleeping in the truck. Can you talk about the realities of that? Yeah. So truck driving's pretty interesting as far as a career goes, you know, cause it's not, you don't need a degree for it. It's a pretty entry level job as far as qualification goes, because you can get your truck driving license in the U S in three to four weeks of training and all up that might be two to three months total that it's spread out over. And it's not easy. Uh, I, one of my favorite sayings is that it's not easy, but it is very simple. I do believe most things are simple and you can boil them down. I love breaking things down into systems like that. You know, it doesn't take much. There's there's certain health restrictions that you have. You have to get your medical card to say that you're in good health because they don't want people driving a truck that might have risk of um, seizures or heart attack or having a stroke, that kind of thing. And there's certain maneuvers you have to perform to get your test and you practice those over a few weeks. There's There's road skills. There's um, a written test you have to pass to know the road law because you're now responsible for this vehicle. You don't need to be able to fix the vehicle, but you need to be able to spot what's wrong. And, you know, I, I hire drivers for my company and I've also trained a lot of drivers as a CDL instructor and nothing against younger people because we've all been there, but an older driver is more mature, more emotionally stable, and they're more disciplined in the work that they have to do. They're going to walk around the truck every day. They're going to do their checks more often. Younger drivers, they're going to skip over that. Oh, well, I checked the truck yesterday. It was fine yesterday. But, you know, you need to be checking your truck one, two, three, four times a day, depending on what you're doing, um, depending on how far you're going. Most good truck drivers are checking their truck three, four times a day at least. And they'll just, they'll be, every time they get out, they'll walk around the truck again. And there's a certain discipline there to just keeping an eye on equipment. You know, you might have gone five miles down the road and all of a sudden something's fallen apart and fallen off the truck because you're putting so many miles on the truck. Um, back to the other part of your question, you know, you, there's a lot of diversity in, in truck jobs though. You know, there's hundreds of thousands of truck drivers around the U S and they're in every state. They're all driving more or less the same equipment, although there are specialists, of course, driving bigger vehicles, more larger vehicles, more construction focused vehicles, over, oversized vehicles, that's specialty type stuff. And every niche, whether it's construction or, you know, containers or doing refrigerated loads, they're each got a little bit of different training. But once you start learning the ropes and exploring what the truck industry has to offer, all these skills sort of come together and you can start picking up different loads, working for different companies. And so to that extent, the more you apply yourself, the more opportunities you can have. You can be over the road. You get paid a lot more when you're just hustling and hauling across the country because you're clocking up the miles, you're getting big loads across the country, which is important. But there's also the loads like what I have, which are around town and we're home every day. So we'll go to the rail yards and the ports, shuffle them around to a warehouse, come back home, and then we're finished for the day. Then we go back out and do it again. So we're not moving it from Atlanta to New York or Atlanta to Los Angeles. It's just that that last um, couple of hundred miles at most to, to get it to the destination. 
And like I say, it's it's to have a CDL, a commercial driving license, commercial driver's license, it's uh, a great ticket if you're willing to work and be disciplined and mature because some days you are stuck out on the road. If you have a breakdown, you're kind of stuck on the side of the road for hours at a time and you have to be uh, be able to keep good company with yourself during that time. But it is a very – it's been such a good backup job for me. I've just stepped into truck driving between film jobs whenever I needed to, you know, because I've had that license ready to go and I've got the skills and the resume now to be able to just step into most companies that would, would need me at uh, – yeah. I've heard this before. Is this still active? I think my dad told me like the rate was like a dollar per mile. Is that still like a realistic rate? A uh, dollar per mile as far as the driver goes. So there's, there's a couple of different things to that, right? Because me as a truck owner, I'm looking for what's called a daily rate for my truck, um, my local yeah. unit going out and back every day. So I'm looking for the driver. I'm looking for them to make a couple hundred dollars a day do it for local runs, maybe, maybe two to 300, anything more than 300 is good money right now. 2021, 2022, the numbers were blowing yeah. up because everyone was sitting at home. Yeah. You know, a lot of people wanted to sit at home, take that time with their family. And so people now buying things uh, at home, Amazon, and all of a sudden the truck rates went up because all the freight needed to get moved. So the industry got messed with a little bit. A dollar a mile doesn't quite work out. It, that'd be a really good rate as a company driver. And rates for a company driver could be anywhere from 50 to 80 cents okay. a mile, something okay. like that. Yeah. And so when you're doing, you know, 500 miles a day, that can be good money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, good to know. Now, how much does a truck cost? That's a, like a, how long's a piece of string? Yeah. You know, how long's a house, how much does a house cost? How much yeah, yeah. is a, uh, you know, uh, any piece of equipment cost? You get what you pay for. You can buy semi trucks that'll move just the tractor part. For as little as you know, five to ten grand, but you're not going to get much yeah. for that. And all the way up to a hundred, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You know, for the that's the brand new stuff. That's the good stuff. You're getting a lot of features with that. You're going to have a very large bunk in that sort of truck where you can spread out, and you've got your you got your space there when you bunk up for the night after you've you know hauled five hundred miles for the day. Most people are not buying trucks over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You know that that's a brand new truck right there. Most trucks are, you know, several years old and they're going to be in the range of twenty-five dollars to $80,000, something like that, depending on what you're getting. But again, it depends on the features you're getting, how old the truck is, how well it's been looked after and, and what it's what you're trying to do with the truck. Yeah. So now looking back at your career, what would you say was the hardest thing that you went through? Hardest thing? Um, I mean, moving to the US was not necessarily hard, but it was something that was new and fresh every day. You know, I'd seen a lot of the US on TV and in movies. And to me, you know, Americans, to me as an Australian when I was younger, it always seemed like an older brother. The Americans were always cool, right? So moving over, I felt like I might settle in a bit easier. But there's so many nuances when you're moving countries. And even though we speak the same language, accents can get messed up, you know, lingo between the different countries get mixed up. And so that was a a beautiful challenge, a beautiful hard to just, you know, have to maintain who I am every day, but also learn to be somebody else to to step up and show up in, in the US to be a part of the community and get work here. That was a different kind of hard. And that was a nice, soft stretch of me expanding. Last year was particularly challenging because the film industry wasn't doing so well. A lot of people were out of work with the with the writer's strike and the Screen Actors Guild strike. It was very much needed to for us to present our 
our case for a better contract in future with the producers and the productions that are out there. But the economy was also down. Trucking was also down off the highs that it had had, the, the freight industry had had in 2021, 2022. And so for me to have um, both of those industries that have been really good for me down, that was a tough year last year to just try and keep the, the trucks running and do whatever I can. That was a very steep learning curve. And my advice to me would be to your audience, if you are going to take on these new skills, become entrepreneurial, you know, a lot of these skills, you don't know that you need to know them until it's too late. And so you're constantly growing and don't try and take on too much. You know, it was a, was a blessing for me to have truck driving skills, truck instruction skills, a little bit of truck ownership skills. I was renting my truck and now I'm trying to get them runners with containers. So there's, I'm learning now to how to hire and uh, fire and retain drivers, which is another whole skill set altogether, you know. But I couldn't have had that the the quality of um, experience and the success, even if it is small or big, whatever, the successes that I've had recently have come about because I had such a strong foundation as a truck driver because I knew the industry. And to avoid the um, the difficulty of having um, challenges and big challenges and long-term challenges, allow yourself to get pulled up and just learn one new skill every day or every month, whatever, whatever it might be. Because sometimes, you know, challenges come to you so you want to be ready for that because if you take on too much and then more challenges come to you, you're going to get very overwhelmed very quickly. Yeah, it's about doing what you can and yeah, stretch a rubber band, but don't you know break it. Now, what would you say you're most proud of? I would say just just showing up every day. You know, I could pick certain moments along the way, but they're all stepping stones. You know, um, I'm still here. I'm still breathing, and that's that's something to be proud of. You know, it it is life can be tough at times. A lot of people don't make it to. 80, 90 years old, you know, and, and have a good life and then retire and have their family by their side when they, when they transition, you know. So for me, just that I'm showing up every day. What are your future goals? Future goals? I got a few stunts that I'd like to do. I'd like to get into more bigger truck, truck stunt jobs for bigger feature films. I'd like to grow my trucking business to, you know, five and 10 trucks. Um, I got to get them, get a few things ironed out first. And, you know, continue doing more public speaking and more coaching, um, writing more books. I'd like to do a book at some point in the near future. My first book is called A Stuntman's Guide to Learning Anything. And it's about how a stuntman needs to show up and learn something new every day to be able to perform for a new character and a new skill set and apply it differently. And I think everyone, especially those who don't have a degree, need to show up and learn in the same way. New skills, new mentors, new communities, and soak it up to be able to create their own path. That's one aspect, that's the book I've already written. The next book is, okay, that's the tool. How do we then show up? Because fear, procrastination, perfectionism, there's so many different words for all the different blocks that we can have for us to be showing up and having our own successes. That's the next book I'd like to write around that and, and continue spreading a message of um, emotional awareness, mindfulness, and how we can you know, be a stuntman in our own lives and keep showing up and pushing our own edges to have our own metaphoric stunts in our lives even if, even if we're not a stuntman just in our own careers getting better people in our lives being more of who we are being an inspiration to other people now this is gonna be very different if you saw your 18 year old self walking across the street in 2023 what would you tell him wow i'd, I'd first say hey man what, what are you doing here you shouldn't be here you should be back in the in the 2000s um i would i would sit him down i'd make him make him just let me see, let him see that I see him and that what he's doing now is going to pay off. And it's not always going to be easy, but all he has to do is just show up every day 
and that, you know, he's going to make and lose a lot of friends along the way. He's going to have a lot of good times. He's going to move and change and transition, but he needs to keep stepping up and needs to keep showing up and just trust this inside of him, that intrinsic knowing, the heart, the gut feel, trust his own intuition, his own creation, and his own creativity to get him to where he needs to go. And then give him a smack on the shoulder and say, dude, get out there, make it happen because you got some beautiful goals. Yeah. Ah, oh, I love that. Thank you so much for your time on the No Degree Podcast. That was such a cool episode and I wish you the best. And we'll definitely do a part two when you bigger and better stunts and when you have those five to 10 trucks. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd be happy to come back. And uh, if anyone wants to reach me, they can find me at my website at stuntmansguide.com or through LinkedIn. I'd be happy to chat. Awesome. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.